Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. to another edition of the Hashtag Miranda Show. I am your host, the Twitterless heroine herself, the ring announcer to the stars, Miss Fancy Pants herself, the most professional podcaster, and most importantly, the queen of soft style, Miranda Morales, here with you for a new episode of the Hashtag Miranda Show, which is a proud member of the Chairshot Radio Network, which you can find on thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Yes, it's been a minute, as the kids say. Uh, not even kids, just people say that. Uh, but it's been a few weeks. It has been super busy uh, as we head into summer with work, with vacations, all of that. So I am so happy to be back on the show. And of course, you know, I don't do this alone. I have my co-host. He is the unstoppable one. The kingpin of the chairshot.com, Greg DeMarco. Are you really fucking with me right now? Are you fucking with me? That doesn't apply. I just wanted to play it. I really did. So. Yeah, no, that's I it's really the only show where you get to play that. So it, I you know, that. I just never think about it. Like I, I just see it in the feed. Like when I ended the Babyface Hill podcast with Matt Hardy's theme songs, because I saw it there and was like, like this I'll do on purpose. <laughs> Other things I just do when I see them. Mm-hmm. Dave, it's me, Dave. But also, do you use that on any other podcast? Um, I don't think so. It's in your feed. I don't know if it's in the other ones. You've seen the program because we use it for IZW. Yes. Do I have a Dave? I do have a Dave. It's me, Dave. In this, in the other one, Dave. Okay. It's me, Dave. It's right underneath the Danger Zone snippet. So Ooh. yeah, it's uh, all right. Right, haven't played that in a while. Played I was gonna version. say we haven't played this. This the Danger Zone. I have the air horns in every feed, just, just to let you know. Okay, good. I'm just glad, you know. The air horns, not the hockey buzzer. I have that one in different. your feed, too. I just never use it because you'll yell at me. Good, because, yeah, you can't use it. It's my I show. have this one. And this one. Both in your, your feed. So, yes. yeah. So, yeah, there we go. Yes. Sorry for everyone's ears. I apologize. That was really loud. My bad. Uh, I'll try. Yeah. Sometimes it does get fixed in the post-production. So it may not be as bad, but still will be there for sure. So. See, That's I'm telling you it won't be so bad, but...
but we digress. We digress. Yes, of course, it wouldn't be an episode of the Hashtag Miranda Show if we didn't go off the rails at all, because that's what we do. Uh, And, you know, look, so it's been a few weeks. Uh, Tonight's topic is a topic that is technically a few weeks old. But you know what? I haven't had the chance to talk about it. I really, really do want to talk about it on multiple levels uh, because it just hits me. Uh, at home personally. Uh, so we'll get into tonight's topic in just a few moments. Uh, I'll keep it a surprise for now because it could be anything. Uh, there's so much that has happened over the past few weeks that we haven't been able to talk about. Uh, but, you know, this is my show and I get to do what I want. So, you know, that's the truth. Y'all can deal with it. Uh, but I think you all do. You guys are amazing. I'm so happy for you to be listening again. Uh, this is, show is a proud part of the Chairshot Radio Network that you can find on thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Also, you may be able to find this on your favorite podcast streaming platform like Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. And if you do, well, that means you subs- you can subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe so that way you get a notification every time a new episode drops. You can leave a five-star rating and also leave a review. Let me know your thoughts on the show. You can also give recommendations on topics uh, and things that I should talk about in the future, which is what that's for. Uh, and you know, just, you know, those who are listening for the first time, uh, definitely a big thank you for those who are returning a very big thank you as well. Um, I'm just excited to be back with all of you to talk about some wrestling. It is a wrestling related topic for tonight. Uh, but you know, also knowing, uh, us as far as myself and Greg DeMarco, you can follow us on social media. You can find me, Miranda Morales, at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook. No Twitter. That's why I'm the Twitter's heroine. Hashtag spelled out. You can also follow Greg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Chairshot Greg. He is, as you know, Pat and I jokingly say, uh, you know, an Instagram CrossFit influencer. Uh, so definitely you could find Greg's CrossFit journey on there, but also you know, stuff about Impact Zone Wrestling IZW, which is coming up next month, almost a full month away. Grand Prix is happening August 28th at the Sun Studios of Tempe in Tempe, Arizona. And, you know, Grand Prix has a focus on tag teams. So if you are a connoisseur of tag team wrestling, this is the show for you. Um, but match announcements are going to be coming out. Uh, tickets are still available. Some uh, front row uh, have been recently made available. And if you love uh, Arizona wrestling, if you want to support independent wrestling, make sure you check out IZW. Greg, where can uh, our listeners find IZW on social media? The best way is to go to at IZW Wrestling AZ. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The ticket links will be out there. We did just release six more front row VIP tickets today. Uh, so people were today when we record this, but or actually yesterday. I don't know. They're released. Okay. You can get them. Yeah. And, and, you know, they'll go. Um, there's, there's a not, you know, those are additional seats we've added to, to accommodate people who have expressed some interest in them. So yeah, jump out there and get them. They're out there for you and available for you to get. And of course, more announcements will continue to come out as we roll on towards it. It's, it's next month, but it's still like almost two months away. It's kind of crazy how the calendar works, but yeah, it's up there. 
It's up there. But hey, time flies when you're having fun. So yes. July will go through. And then before you know it, we hit the end of August. You do not want to miss out on Grand Prix. Again, IZW only runs a few times a year. So when you miss one show, you miss a lot. So take advantage, especially now that we do have some extra front row seats available. Uh, you really get a good bird's eye view of the event. You get to be involved in it. Um, and the IZW family is something that you know, we very, very much value and appreciate. So make sure you are a part of the fun um, at IZW Grand Prix happening on Saturday, August 28th. Make sure to follow IZW on social media for any ticket announcements, match announcements, talent announcements, all types of announcements happening um, through IZW social media. Also, don't forget, you could uh, follow the Chair Shot at Chair Shot Media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That way you get uh, announcements on articles, uh, Chair Shot uh, uh, podcasts, all of the above by following at ChairShot Media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you want to support both IZW and TheChairShot.com, well, there's a special way that you can do it. But before I get into that, Greg, I'm going to need your help. I know it's been a minute. I don't know if you can, you know, not saying you can't do this. Is that what you needed? No, well, you need this. No, you you need you need this. No, no, I know, I know what you need. You need this. Fuck you, Pat. No, I, you need this. You guys know how to party. No, I just, I just, I just can't seem to get it right. No, I, and I know, Greg. It's been a while, um, and it's hashtag uh, Greg's fault. Um, <laughs> But Greg, you know, let me set this up for you, though. Okay. I don't know if this is going to trigger any memories Maybe. or this will help remind you. But Something that I haven't done Greg, twice already today. Yes. yes. I'm going to need you to wind it up. Oh. It's time. Yes, it is indeed time for you to go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot to pick up your very own chair shot and impact zone wrestling IZW t-shirt today. Yes. You can find both sets of t-shirts at pro wrestling forward slash the chair shot. Say you live outside of the state of Arizona and you can't come to an IZW event, but you want to support IZW. Well, you can go to pro wrestling forward slash the chair shot and pick up your very own IZW t-shirt today. You got some various designs and colors to choose from. And of course you can get them in multiple styles, including soft style. That also counts for you local Arizona wrestling fans. If you want to support IZW and possibly earn tickets, win tickets, be selected uh, to get tickets for a future IZW show, you need to get your IZW t-shirt and wear it to the next IZW event. But hey, if you also want to support the chair shot, you can do that at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. There's over 25 different t-shirt designs for you to choose from, including multiple always use your head t-shirts, the OG chair shot logo, everybody hates Greg, and yes, the queen of soft style shirt 
herself is available at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. So much to choose from in one convenient place for you. So go ahead, go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. That's prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. So, tonight's topic as I mentioned, is something that you know circulated a few weeks ago, uh, but it's something that I really, really wanted to talk about in twofold. So we'll present this in two different uh, aspects. Um, the topic we're going to be talking about tonight is uh, regarding Kenise Mobley, who is the now former WWE writer who was hired on uh, recently at that point. Um, and really the the feedback and addressing her uh, appearance on the Asian Not Asian podcast and when she talked about being hired by WWE to be a writer and really the lack of wrestling knowledge and background that she had when she entered the, the role, was hired on for the role. There was a huge amount of backlash online uh, about getting her being hired by WWE uh, primarily because she didn't have a, a background in knowledge of wrestling. The first aspect I want to talk about is more on the professional level of this podcast and kind of the implications uh, behind it. And then we're going to kind of jump into a broader uh, conversation about wrestling fandom, but Going back to the event that happened, uh, Kenise was a a uh, guest on the Asian Not Asian podcast, and on there she talked about again, you know, her not being a wrestling fan or not having a lot of knowledge of of the wrestling product. Um, in that, she specifically talked about her kind of surprise uh, of WWE not, you know requiring writers to have a background or knowledge of the WWE in order to be hired. Um, and we know that that's a, a fact. They've hired people from different uh, writing backgrounds before, writing for TV, uh, writing for, you know, different forms of entertainment. Um, but really what stuck to people was her description of, uh, you know, Bobby Lashley and kind of what her role was going to be when very laissez-faire uh, or just very, you know, uh, openly admitting that she didn't really know much about the people that she was going to be writing for, though that she was uh, open to learning, um, that she didn't really know who she was going to be writing for. And again, that got people really, really upset. So in this first part of the conversation, Greg and I, we're going to really be talking about this, the actual event that happened going on to this podcast, the way that she kind of uh, represented, you know, her background in knowledge and wrestling and the aftermath of it, you know, not only the uproar from fans, but ultimately being released by WWE. Now, Greg, you have kind of done this spoiler alert at uh, during the um, Babyface Heel podcast in which I had teased this topic. And you are very open about the end result of this. Your thoughts on her being released by WWE due to kind of some of the results of this podcast in particular. So I'm going to let you kind of 
go with the flow because you've already stated your thoughts. Um, so what were your thoughts on her being released by WWE after this interview? Yeah, it, it's unpopular, especially if you're judging based on social media, but I'd have fired her too. And, and the reason I would have fired her is may not for what you think. First off, yeah, it was dumb what you said. It might have been true, but there are plenty of true things that shouldn't be said. You shouldn't point out that you don't know what you're doing at your job. Like, you just shouldn't do that. That's not a good look. It's not a smart move, nothing like that. Here's the other thing. And again, I haven't seen this. I haven't heard this. This is me connecting dots that I tend to be good at in, in life. And this is where I feel about her situation. She probably went on this podcast unbeknownst to WWE. And, and the reason why is because, uh, believe it or not, I did some research. And going back to January of 2020, she's appeared on that show three times. So she's somewhat of a regular, right? She's on there like every six months. All the other names seem to be on there in a general rotation as well as I researched through through their shows. So she was appearing on this podcast before she was uh, with WWE through the world of comedy. She, her bio was still listed on stand-up comedy websites. She was writing for comedy. These guys on the Asian Not Asian podcast are comedy writers as well. Like The connection was there long before her WWE relationship began. And if she doesn't know who Bobby Lashley is, she probably doesn't know, probably can't just randomly go on a podcast without telling anybody. And then you randomly go on a podcast without telling anybody. Or maybe she did tell them and they said, all right, fine, do it. Then you don't want to go down there and make yourself look stupid. Because sometimes we get on podcasts and we talk like no one's listening. And that might work for you and me. And that might work for many, yeah, many podcasts. Yeah, that works for me great on, on this show. Yeah, right? That's what makes it entertaining. But when you work for WWE, it doesn't work to do that. And she did that. And I think it was just dumb. And I think it was, uh, I'm not saying she's dumb, but she definitely had a dumb moment. And you got to live with the consequences in life. I think she'll be fine. She's obviously got connections in the world of comedy. She'll be a-okay. She'll probably tell jokes about this someday and, and whatever. But yeah, like, and, and it's kind of like what we talked about with Zelina Vega and Samoa Joe on Chairshot Radio. She obviously wasn't that valuable because she made one little mistake and got let go for it. And it's the same kind of mistake that other people may have made and not been let go for. So again, you got to know the room. You got to know the landscape of where you are and your situation. She obviously didn't because if she did, she wouldn't have said what she said. And that's just how it turned out. You know, them's the breaks. She obviously has been fired from jobs before. She works in entertainment. Okay. She knows the landscape enough to know that nothing is forever in the world of entertainment. And that includes WWE. But she probably broke more than one rule in what she did, not just the dumb comments that she made. Mm -hmm. No. And when you look at this from a professional aspect, so in in a previous life, I was a career coach at a university. And my role specifically was to help college students get prepared to enter the workforce. And that was anywhere from helping them with their resumes and cover letters to interviews to your etiquette and conduct through an application process to offer to even when you start working for a company. And from a professional aspect, going onto a podcast that gets distributed to the general public and being kind of open about your lack of knowledge of the company in the format and the way that she expressed it, I think any company would have done a second take uh, because that is one of the biggest things that I did as a coach in guiding and assisting students. And it's just a general to do 
anytime you are applying for a job or looking to work for a company is do some background info, you know, search or background research on a company. Know a little bit more about what they do, who's involved, uh, what are they looking for? And now to, to, w, to her credit, I mean, WWE did hire her, you know, knowing that she wasn't familiar with the product. So some of this is on WWE, but when you go then into a deeper level on a podcast and then explain how much you really don't know, that to anyone, I think could be a, a negative sign. And I've seen people who were let go or didn't even get second interviews for conduct similar to that, for utilizing social media or somehow getting somehow their thoughts uh, about a company getting to the wrong people. Um, so I, I understand both sides as far as, you know, some people thinking that this was unfair that she was let go before she really had the opportunity to work for the company. But at the end of the day, the WWE, especially in what they present, not just on TV, but in stocks, in their portfolio, in their presentation, is trying to be a Fortune 500 company. They're trying to be like Amazon's and Coca-Cola uh, and uh, Intel. And like they have the same expectations of their employees, I'm sure, that many of us, of, of our employers have. And anytime we as representatives of our organization go anywhere and don't necessarily you know, present our company in the most positive light, you know, that's a problem that could happen to any of us. So from a professional business aspect, I completely understand the decision to let her go. If anything that she did, didn't really make the WWE look very becoming. Um, and, and, you know, it, it is at the end of the day, just business. Um, and so as much as what she presented as far as, you know, the process and, and not knowing so much about wrestling, I think the fact that she went more into depth about it, or again, maybe the attitude with it, or just the way that she had talked and presented that, um, even though it wasn't the most negative, she didn't go and start talking shit about this company, but the way that she kind of talked about it, as I mentioned, laissez-faire, which was more like, ah, here I am, you know, and, and again, that may have not been the intention, but at the end of the day, when that's, it doesn't matter how I really heard it. It matters how those within WWE heard it. And they heard it and, and processed that to a point where they, you know, didn't necessarily agree with it. And like you said, Greg, too, you know, this may have been something that she didn't necessarily get permission for. How many writers do we even hear of and uh, know of that work for the WWE that end up getting to talk about it. If anything, we hear about writers after they leave because that's more of, you know, probably more commonplace. It's it's a likely a no-no. Now, whether that was explicitly expressed to her and that was she defied that or that was an assumed and she didn't know, you know, we don't know that either. But you think about anyone who's more of a current WWE writer, that's something that's fairly lock and key. We don't know that information. And then that's fairly intentional because that is still one of the things in pro wrestling that as much as they admit they hire writers, we don't know who they are. And I think that's an element of wrestling that's kind of more deep in the tradition of, you know, keeping, keeping things under lock and key, not revealing all of the facts and all the pieces of information right away. I think a lot of it has to do with how this was presented too. Like, 
because of the laissez-faire nature that you talked about. She went on there and she was like, oh, I don't know. We got this guy. This Like if she went on there and she was like, it's a big challenge. There's so much to learn. I'm so excited about it. I think maybe they would have said, hey, you appeared on this podcast. We didn't know about it. Like those are things they can come overcome. But when you combine that with the attitude she displayed during those comments, it's just, and again, she was with friends who she always talks, you know, like this with, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not, um, it was just a bad situation in general. Like, like she put herself in that situation, but it wasn't a smart place for her to be. And then to talk about WWE, like, like there's lots of different ways to answer the question about how things are going in your job with WWE that are going to keep you out of trouble. And, you know, there's probably 20 different comments she could have made and 19 of them would have kept her employed. And she made the one that didn't. And that's too bad. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it is what it is. Now, if she didn't know much about WWE's talent pool and product, who knows how much she knew about their process backstage. She probably would have hated it anyway and probably wouldn't have really done well there. And like, like, like to me, this is just indicative of a bigger issue with people knowing what they're signing up for, which you know is a big thing with me in general, like know what you're signing up for. And I don't think she did, to be honest with you. I don't know that. I'm just mm-hmm. speculating. I don't think she knew what she was getting into. And I think she yeah. found out real quick. A really hard way. Well, and and we as people who have full-time jobs have gone through interviews. Not only that may be indicative of, you know, who they hired, but I think it's also indicative of WWE's process, um, that they may, may need to tighten that up and be more explicit in what they're looking for and what writers can and cannot do. Again, we don't know. We don't know what they're told and what they're not told or, or whatnot. Um, and again, it's, it's not a surprise that they hired someone who wasn't in, in, involved in wrestling to be in this role. If anything, they're more likely to hire someone who is just in a general entertainment aspect because they're not looking to bring in wrestling fans. We've talked about this plenty of times that WWE is a entertainment company who happens to focus on wrestling. It is not a wrestling company, not anymore. And so now they are looking to different forms of entertainment, comedy, action, drama. You know, we know they've hired soap writers before. They've hired, you know, a a variety of people within different forms of entertainment to come on board because their focus is on recruiting new fans. They want to bring in new people because that's new lifeblood, new money, new viewership. Um, and, and that's been a notorious thing in wrestling that it's the same viewers and same fans. And not only it's the same people, those same people will then go online and complain because a lot of people who watch WWE product now are hate watching it. And so what better way to help liven and, and bring up a new fan base by bringing in people from different forms of entertainment. And I still think that is such a hard concept for some fans to absorb because they think, you know, I give WWE my time and money every single week or every pay-per-view or I subscribe to the network and that's great, but they already got you. You know, they're not concerned about keeping you They're Once they have you, their next thing is who's the next fan we can bring in because that's where if you think about the circle of life, you know, now on average wrestling fans are much older than we used to be. There's less young people getting invested in pro wrestling because it's the fans who have been watching now for 10, 20, 30 years. And of course, wrestling has evolved in that time frame. So those fans are not even really that focused on the now. They're focused on reliving a childhood, reliving a glory period. And when they don't get that, 
it's straight to social media, straight to, you know, whatever podcast to complain about, you know, not getting the wrestling that they felt like they grew up on, but the, the WWE is focused on the future. So this aspect doesn't surprise me still at all. And if anything, that's something though, if there's elements of, of being a writer, that is important. Uh, that is something within the hiring that they need to tighten up as well. And they need to be more explicit about, um, you know, it's funny. You, you mentioned that, you know, younger people aren't getting into WWE the way they used to younger people aren't getting into anything the way we got into WWE when we were younger, because the amount of options they have is not even tenfold. It's like hundredfold over what we had when, when we were younger and getting into WWE. So, just just everyone spread out more thinly. Imagine what it's going to be like in 20 years. Uh, who knows where any form of entertainment is going to be at because everybody's going to be so spread so thin. Think about how media distribution has changed in 20 years. It's going to continue to change. So that's mm-hmm. just an insane part of it. Um, the whole thing about, you know, what, I, I love the fact they hired her uh, when they did. Like, I think it's a smart hire. It's You talked about it. Like, they don't want to hire wrestling writers. I know personally somebody who writes about wrestling and sports is very good, applied to WWE, had an endorsement from, it's the best way to put it without saying too much, a WrestleMania main event level endorsement within the company. And the next day got an email said, thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. And was like, I don't get it whatsoever. And I'm like, cause you're a wrestling person. That's why. That that's all there is to get. You're a wrestling person. They don't want you. Could have been great at the job. Maybe that person could have been amazing at the job. Who knows? But it's just not what they want. And and they have the ability to do that. And that's why you hire people like Kenise Mobley. You talked about earlier, you know, maybe they need to do a better job of onboarding these people, letting them know this and that. That's not the WWE I know. The WWE I know is like, we're going to bring in people and see if they work. See if they can figure it out. See if they can manage our system. And and so and I think I think you keep the good people that way, but you also sometimes get rid of the good people. Like the ones who make yeah. it deserve to make it. But there are some people who don't make it that did deserve to make it. But I think you do a really good job of weeding out the ones who shouldn't be there at the cost of maybe losing some that could be good. Well, and I think, again, as WWE is looking to be a big juggernaut in the world of business, they also have to understand that this kind of deeper rooted, not philosophy, but, you know, um, the, the way that people were brought into wrestling is very different than people get into many other forms of of the workforce, you know, it's different than it different than retail, you know, and I'm thinking again, the big, big companies, because let's face it, they want to be, you know, a a Coca-Cola level brand, you know, they want to be synonymous with, you know, the biggest companies in the world. But that also means you have to evolve into a more business minded entity and you can't take, you know, your roots in in wrestling and just throw people in anymore because what you're doing now is bringing more outsiders in who don't have that knowledge and background of pro wrestling, which is what you're trying to do to bring a more diverse product, to bring in a bigger fan base. 
And, and exactly that, you're going to sacrifice someone who could be a good asset and be the things that you need, you want to bring in, but don't understand, you know, this world of pro wrestling, but yet you don't want to hire people who know pro wrestling because they know too much. Yeah. So eventually you, you have to evolve. And, and that's exactly why I think, you know, the hire itself was a good move. The moves that they've been making to be a worldwide entertainment company is what they need to survive and grow. But then I think that also implies a difference in their hiring practices and kind of how they onboard and bring in non-wrestling related people into the company. Um, I understand that it's going to, it's a tough business, something that, based off of many people's experiences, especially those who've, you know, written for and have talked about their experience writing for WWE, one of the most unique jobs in the entire, you know, world that there's nothing like it and even hard to describe. Um, but that's also why their lifespan and, and shelf life is so short mm -hmm. because you don't know what you're getting into. And, you know, they have this complete, you know, turning revolving door because people don't know what they're getting into. Eventually you're going to burn out, you know, this resource. If you're, if you're having this narrow focus of hiring that, you know, you're not going to get what you want. And the ones that you do want and you do get are going to leave quickly for reasons, whether they did them or not, or, you know, in this case, I feel like there's, you know, responsibility on both and you have to start back from square one again. So that's just kind of my thoughts on this portion of the topic. I want to take a quick break and then jump into this second portion of the topic, which is really more about wrestling fandom. And again, that backlash that she received and also just the response to her firing, especially as a, a, a female. So we'll get into the second part of this topic after these commercials. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. So before the break, we were talking uh, about Kenise Mobley, who was a uh, comedy writer who was hired on by the WWE. She went on to a podcast that she frequents, uh, the Asian Nut Asian podcast, to discuss uh, getting hired on to the WWE. And this broke the wrestling internet because she admitted she wasn't a wrestling fan, didn't have a lot of knowledge of the WWE um, and the performers of the WWE. Um, word got back to the WWE about this podcast and then she was let go um, really before I'm sure she, you know, started anything within writing for the WWE. Um, but we talked about really the hiring of Kenise Mobley as a good move for the, the WWE, bringing on someone from a diverse background, uh, you know, someone who is, you know, uh, a female writer, which is that something that again, fans have talked about, you know, we want it, but not that way, which is of course a terrible MO of wrestling fans of wanting something, but when they don't get it exactly the way they want, kind of giving that backlash of it. 
But overall, again, too, bringing on a, an, a writer who has more experience in, in comedy than in wrestling, which is really what the target of, of the WWE is. They've hired, you know, writers from different forms of entertainment before. It's not uncommon. Um, that's been well known before. Um, but to me, where this hit a string and a chord was that she was a female writer of color, which, again, that's something that as fans have talked about wanting more diversity, having one, more women in different roles. But when it comes in this form that is not exactly how you imagined, people, you know, have this backlash. But I think especially as a female wrestling fan, it hit a string for me because I think as a female wrestling fan, we are more adept to get judged by other fans on our fandom. I don't use fan a lot, uh, but more adept to be judged and almost ridiculed about being a wrestling fan as a female than a male. I do think that this circumstance, if this situation had been with a male, I don't think it would have had the same amount of backlash. I think there would have been this level of the benefit of the doubt um, or just ways to excuse what had happened uh, if this was a male writer. And I just think the world of wrestling is just takes it easier on men. Um, and you even mentioned it uh, during the Baby Face Heel podcast. We talked about, you know, the recent situation with Jimmy Uso and, and now his third DUI, um, that if this was Eva Marie, fans would be, you know, celebrating and saying, yeah, go ahead and fire her compared to the response that Jimmy is getting of, you know, poor him, he should get some help. So to me, it feels like she got ridiculed and, and it was the, the microscope was under her in a deeper way because she was a female. And I, I don't know if this sounds crazy, Greg, but do you see that as well? Do you feel like there's some method to the madness that I'm thinking or, you know, am I totally in left field? I don't think you're totally in left field and I'm feverishly writing some notes down because I actually think there's three things at play. And I think one of them is that she's a female. And I think that's a big one. Um, she is a female. She is in a position that has largely been dominated by men. And again, outside of the, the aforementioned Nick Khan that we talked about on Chairshot Radio, this company is still largely run by old whites. Many of them old white wrestlers. Many of them old white wrestlers who didn't deal with writers from outside the world of wrestling when they were wrestling. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely, especially female writers. None of them had female writers. So it's definitely a different situation than, than most of the people in the company had been in when they were active or even writers that moved up the chain weren't in that. But it's still a male driven industry. Look at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 37, right? We celebrate because we had Sasha Banks and then Bianca Belair in the main event of night one of WrestleMania, WrestleMania Saturday. Okay. We also had Rhea Ripley and Asuka in what you could call the semi-main event of night two or like right before the final match of the night. We also had two random tag team matches and that's it. Everything else was men's matches. We had Alexa Bliss in a very prominent role in, in her storyline. And we had Bailey doing, you know, stealing the show with what she was doing. But by and large, 80% of that card was male-dominated. And and WWE has made a lot of great strides. But outside of the title pictures, they don't have much for women in terms of storylines. They really don't. So, 
you know, WrestleMania, you look at what, 16 matches. So 25% of the card was women's matches. Okay. But two of them were largely meaningless undercard matches and the most forgettable of the undercard matches. And two of them were championship matches. They just still aren't that good at women in WWE. Women's wrestling, women's storyline, women hiring, women treatment, all that stuff. They're better. And I think we give them a lot of credit for the strides they've mm-hmm. made, but they're not necessarily there yet where a lot of people would say they need to be. But, you know, one of the things that I'm big on is, is you know, it takes time to get a certain place. There are a lot of things in this world that we think should be a certain way now that may not even get to that way in our lifetimes. And I do think that this is one of those. Um, my biggest hope, I guess, on the female perspective is they learn from this and and it goes a little better the next time and a little better the time maybe even a lot better the next time and a lot better the time after that but i do agree with you the fact that she's female is one of the three big factors that has something to do with this and i can tell you the other two factors now if you want them or we can wait till later depending on what you have no go ahead and, and say these others um so she's female that worked against her she's a non-wrestling person in terms of the fans' mind, that works against her too because wrestling fans, the ones that are chirping on Twitter and the ones that are all over the internet anyway, are very close-minded. We know this, okay? That's why they all love AEW. When if you really take a step back and look at certain things about AEW, there are things that Twitter hates, okay? Racism mm-hmm. and a lot of appropriation and a lot of just dumb shit they do. But we let it go because we like it because it's AEW. So she's new to wrestling. So she's the net, the outsider that you talked about. An outsider male, I think, would have experienced largely the same thing. Um, the other factor is she's new. If she were a female who came from outside of the wrestling world but had contributed some of the storylines that we as fans love, mm-hmm. I think she could have gotten a pass on this. Now, if she had contributed some of the storylines that we as fans know – she would have known who Bobby Lashley was and wouldn't have made the comment she made. So yeah, I was going to say, be, I don't think we would have been in this, exactly, you know, would have been been in this boat. But, but it still works against know. her. She had zero credibility with people that are then not going to give her any acceptance, any leeway for mm-hmm. what she's doing because in their mind, she hasn't earned that. And wrestling fans, by and large, are not in a position just to give you the benefit of the doubt unless you've earned it. And the criteria to earn it is probably far more difficult than it even needs to be because this fan base is so fickle and so crazy sometimes. So she had three, she basically had everything going against her, mm-hmm. literally yeah. everything going against her. And so it did not help that she was a female. I do think it was worsened because she was a female. I do think that's a big part of, of the three. It might've still been the biggest that, or the fact that she was non wrestling are the biggest factors to me. And, and it was yeah. just a perfect storm. And those are hand in hand because I also feel like as a female wrestling fan, I constantly have to justify my fandom. Why am I a fan? And a lot of times when I've been questioned about it, it's, oh, you just watch them because you think the guys are good looking. Like it had nothing to do with storyline. Right. has nothing to do with what I think about professional wrestling. The instant thing is, you know, I like the, the, the way that the men look. As far as men, you know, male wrestling fans, well, they get the pass of being able to justify liking pro wrestling, but also, you know, their fandom for female wrestling, uh, female wrestlers, you know, as much as they say they love Roman Reigns, the next comment they may say is, oh, how pretty is Charlotte Flair? Right. 
Or yes, I love Drew McIntyre. Or, I love the New Day. Oh man, Alexa Bliss. Are they, you know, so I just feel like it's way more acceptable for them to be able to do both, like you know, that's male why, wrestlers, and that's like why wrestling but news, also visually like female wrestlers. That's why it's still reported wrestling news when a female wrestler gets a boob job. That's still yeah. wrestling news. Anything regarding their appearance is news. Anything regarding yeah. their appearance is much more scrutinized. That shows you where Anything the business regard- is. Yes, like, and so we have. It- we had reporting on Randy Orton's appearance because he got tattoos without telling the company. It was mm-hmm. a business thing for Randy Orton when he did it. But we get news on Charlotte Flair because she was out of action because an implant popped. Like it's it's and, and there's there's literally news bites about Charlotte Flair's plastic surgery. And mm-hmm. that wouldn't happen. But there's zero news bites about Vince McMahon's plastic surgery. But look at Vince McMahon's recent pictures. Dude's got some work done. Okay? Yeah. Look at the I picture mean, of him and Dave Chappelle. Like you can't recognize Dave Chappelle because he's older. You can't recognize Vince McMahon because he's starting to look like Carrot Top. And, and that's just, if you've seen Carrot Top in the past five years, you know how crazy that dude now looks with plastic surgery. Facelift. But no one's talking about Allegedly. it. And, and so it's, yes. it's, it's a double standard because yeah. a lot of these standards were set by white dudes years ago and haven't mm-hmm. changed. And as a card carrying white dude, I'm more than willing to put the blame on white dudes. And I have been, and you've known that and other else has known that. That's true. I, you have, he's very, very much uh, open as Greg DeMarco is to take the blame for, for white dudes. You know, I'm not, I'm not personally taking the blame. I just happen to be a white dude, but I try not to be what those white dudes are, mm-hmm. but those white dudes are the problem. And those white dudes, and there's a lot of them. It's kind of like, you know, if you play a game and you're fighting an army and and you kill like 10 of them and then a hundred more show up, that's how I feel about white dudes. If you get rid of one, there's three more there waiting to take mm-hmm. their place. Like it's just going to take a real long time before either we get rid of the white dudes or the white dudes smarten up. And it needs to be a combination of both because not all of them are going to yeah. smarten up. And that's again, Ooh. one of those things that when it finally happens is going to be way too late. And I can say that because it's already way too late. Yes. And and again, we just were talking earlier about who is the wrestling demographic that the WWE is appealing to new fans. And where has there been a fairly big gap is in a new fandom? It's women. So it absolutely makes sense to bring on women to write, to write for women, to write for your women performers, to write for your female and fans, because that's how you're going to be able to attract that bigger audience and it's not always about who looks good on tv or who doesn't that absolutely is true but again women are much more scrutinized on their looks and really that's how their popularity grows compared to men on television and and men in stories and it's just expected that that is just part part of the the world you know we did see a you know a, a climb in female viewership and female fandom from you know the times that we had WWE in the reality television world with Total Divas and Total Bellas. You know, that was one way that, that we were able to bring in more female fans. But did they st- the point is you stick around by being invested of those same females 
on a weekly basis within, you know, a, a product. And that was something that I don't think they've capitalized on as well. And that's not necessarily tying in stories from Total Divas into WWE. I wasn't necessarily a fan of that, but it's getting them to see, oh, here's Natty Nyhart. I've seen her on Total Divas, but here's now a story that I'm invested with her on television that makes me invested in her as a character, as a person. And, you know, I don't feel like they did a good job of that. But, you know, at the same time, again, that was probably because they didn't have the right people writing for women. And so if that's something that they try and tote and value as this growing fan base, that's something that has to be reflected in their writing and in their presentation every week. And I think in general for, for men, as much as they do want to see you know, we've we've been able to have such a growth in women's wrestling because of all wrestling fans. I feel like a lot of wrestling fans have contributed to that. But a lot of those prevalent voices have been women that says, I'm not always here to look at the men. I want to see women that I can relate to. Just like men, so many men, male uh, fans have talked about how they feel connected to wrestlers and the, you know, people like Daniel Bryan, people like Stone Cold, you know, that those were people they could see shades of themselves and people like McFoley, you know, but women have never, haven't had to be able to have that level of depth of character to say, man, I can relate to Bailey. I can relate to Charlotte Flair. I can relate to Naomi. Uh, I can relate to Asuka because they haven't been able to have that level of writing and death because they don't have as much airtime and stories as you already alluded to, Greg. They don't have the same amount of airtime that we see for men. So how do you do that is by bringing, you know, more people on board who can write for women. And a lot of times that is women who can do that better because they understand more of the aspects of, you know, how to present women on television. So uh, I feel like there's so much deeper conversation that's happening here, but also the fact that for as much as there's a lot of people who claim they want to see more women on television, that they want to uh, have see women have more opportunity. When you look at it, it's, it's not just built around what you see on TV. It's all of these behind the scenes steps and people in place and leadership that has to, to happen and for this to happen. And anytime a new female fan, writer, whoever it may be, is new coming into the wrestling world and they automatically get the, sh- the door shut, slammed in their face because they don't know enough about wrestling, how are they ever going to know if we keep shutting the door? And how are they ever going to feel invested if people keep telling them, sorry, you don't know enough, so we're not going to let you in or we're not going to tell you or you're not already a fan, so go take a hike. That happens for really any new fan, but especially for female fans, how are they ever going to be a part of this community if no one gives them the opportunity? And so that's, you know, really the core of this that I felt compelled to talk about is I understand why she was released from a professional perspective, you know, not necessarily representing the company in the best light, but that doesn't mean we should completely give up on this. And I don't think, you know, this this is a failed experiment. I think it's a level of saying, man, that didn't work, but we should keep on trying. And I think as wrestling fans in general, also try to embrace a wider range and audience of fans, including women. It's interesting that you kept talking earlier about writing for women and you're bringing women that are running storylines for women, but they're not. 
and this is, and I'm going to sound like the online idiots that I hate, but it's true. Like the writers are still writing for Vince. They're still writing to make Vince happy and yeah. writing to that Vince uses yeah. what, so they're still not writing for the audience they want to bring in. They're still writing for Vince to make Vince happy. So he uses what they do. And, and so that's got to change. And it will only change when Vince is no longer in position, whether he moves on, whether the company gets sold and he's no longer in that position or, or you know, who knows. Other than that, that's, that's when that's going to change. Look at the two women over the past few years who have had the most meteoric rise to stardom in WWE. Okay. The first one is Becky Lynch. What moniker made her famous? Say it for me, please. Yeah. No, no, the man. The man, right? She started calling herself the man, probably as a joke, probably because of the male-dominated industry, and it took off. And to the point where Seth Rollins had a shirt that said, the man's man. Like, literally, that was a shirt. And and because Jim Ross hated it and yelled about it, whatever. The next female that really had a meteoric rise starting in WWE was Bianca Belair. The only story they told about Bianca Belair was her actual life story. They didn't write anything for Bianca Belair. They just focused on who she was as a person and all things she's overcome and her family and put out great specials that everybody loved about her and people fell in love with her. And that's it. Like, like maybe you can point to Alexa Bliss, who has, you know, basically just been given Bray Wyatt's character, character written for a man, and, and Sasha Banks, like Charlotte Flair... I'm sure they come internally. They still look at her as Ric Flair's daughter mm-hmm. and they're still booking her like Ric Flair and she's taking it and making it her own. But again, like none of this is really done for women and, and, and I don't know if any of it's really been really done by women. And, and that's just, you know, again, a female who was let go last year, her big storyline was Otis and Mandy Rose. And a lot of people got into and- that. And again, that will appease, I think, male wrestling fans or even slightly newer wrestling fans. But if you're trying to get a broader demographic of a fan base, especially bringing in women, you have to start thinking about, you know, writing women's wrestling for for women. And and, and how do you bring that in when you think about some of the most successful TV shows and movies, there is now a very big movement about, you know, how women are portrayed and, and, you know, the variance of roles that they have and how people are connected by characters. And that's been able to happen with, with, again, for men with male wrestling fans for such a long time. I think we are at a point now where you've established women in not only, you know, some of the, the best in the entire world, but their athleticism and performance in the ring is is top notch. Now it's taking it to a deeper level because as you know, I think just in, in general, women are going to be more connected to, you know, who are the personalities? Who are these people? And I, even talking about, you know, Bianca Bello's story, like being able to pull real aspects of these women and present it on television can really get anybody to become a fan. But at the end of the day, if this is what you're trying to tailor, at least some of your product to, you also have this new sense of, you know, how, how can we get people to connect with female wrestling fans beyond their looks or, or be connect with female, well, both wrestling fans and, and just wrestlers beyond their looks. 
and to a, a deeper level of who they are. And that's, I think, is going to be a continuous challenge. But, you know, I do think that the more that they hire and have diversity within their writing, within the company, the better equipped they will be. But to me, again, at the end of the day, this to me was an example of some of the challenges as a female wrestling fan that we have in kind of defending enjoying and being a wrestling fan one when there's so much hate and animosity out there and contention but at the same time how can we defend a product that doesn't speak to us how can we look at a company and say you know the the treatment and placement of women isn't on par to the level it can be you know and it should be and again this is the wwe they have millions of dollars of resources you know i'm not talking about AEW or impact though i do think that there's other wrestling promotions who do this very well um you know nxt still has a really good way to place and showcase their talent in multiple ways throughout their television show i think impact wrestling has one of the most underrated women's rosters in all of professional wrestling um you know those are just again my opinions but it's hard to be a, a female wrestling fan and supporter and even in this business and look at what happens with, you know, women's wrestling and support the, the entity as a whole or support my fandom for WWE when it's so easy for them to kind of back off and say, yeah, this didn't work. So we're just not going to go with it. Or that's why we don't have as many female females in different roles because it just doesn't work. And that's not, the case we get it this was a dual thing there was things that could have been handled more on kinesis side but also there's i do think there's things that the wwe should have done differently and can do better in the future to bring in the exact people that they want but also realizing this is they they already acknowledge this is not the carney wwe you know traditional wrestling product that they had 30 40 years ago so don't continue that attitude with it too. It, wrestling is evolving. This company has evolved. The fan base has evolved. But if you keep treating it the way that you've always treated it, you're going to still keep the, the same fans that you've always had. You're going to keep knocking your head against the wall wondering why aren't we bringing in new fans? Well, if you have that carny mentality behind the scenes, nothing is going to change. If you want to be Coca-Cola, if you want to be Amazon, if you want to be Google, you have to realize that there's a lot of innovation with hiring and teams that are happening that you eventually have to adapt and, and do. You can still keep your core of what wrestling is. But if you want to be just like, say, Amazon, who evolved from this company online to now having anything from Amazon Prime to music, it's evolution. And you have to evolve not only as a company, but your internal practices and the people that you hire. So that is the soapbox for this week's episode of the Hashtag Miranda Show. You know, let me know your thoughts on this on social media. Again, you can follow me at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook. You can follow Greg at Chairshot Greg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Of course, follow Chairshot, uh, the website at thechairshot.com, and also at Chairshot Media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Of course, thechairshot.com, your source for wrestling news, analysis, opinions, sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment. Let's play that. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head.
I know you have the trigger finger. I know, I I know you're just ready for it, ready for it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Again, you can listen to this on Spotify, iTunes, Google Radio, or that uh, Google Play, uh, all of those uh, forms of podcast streaming. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, chair shot, or go to uh, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot uh, to get your uh, chair shot and IZW t-shirt. All of it. Just do all of those things. I know it's a lot. Just create a little checklist, uh, all of that. Uh, you know, just you'll take it one step at a time. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my co-host, Greg DeMarco, as always. And for Greg DeMarco, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to always keep it soft style. Chairshot.com. Always use your head.